Good morning again, church. It's been so long since we've seen one another. That was a bad joke, I'm sorry. Hey, so a couple of things that I would like to say just as we start off is to give a little bit of an explanation uh, to the importance of what we're going to do this morning. Um, We are going to spend, as I said already, a great deal of time in Scripture. And so, real quickly, uh, if if I can, um, that's always a challenge, right, Uh, when you give one of us a microphone. But um, I want to talk just real briefly about the importance of Scripture. We believe as a church that Scripture is the very Word of God spoken directly from Him through the the hand and pen of man. And uh, we believe certain things about Scripture that it is inerrant, it is without uh, error or, or flaw in it at all. It is authoritative uh, that, that we, we, we base our entire faith off of the words of Scripture, God's revelation of himself to us. And so I want you to know, if you don't already, that we put a, a great deal of importance, a great deal of significance on Scripture. The authority that it has, the clarity that we believe that it has, and the sufficiency that we believe that it has for our lives. So when we enter into this time this morning and we read Scripture with the intent of seeing what God has to say for us. Understand that what we're doing is we're coming together in unity with the belief that these are the very words that God has for us, a revelation of himself to us. And and as we progress through uh, our time here this morning, you're going to see how each of these verses say very specific things to our lives and, and how we are to structure our faith around that. So just understand, we, we place a great deal of importance on the Word of God. Amen? As we, uh, again, progress through this time, we're going to have um, uh, individuals come up and, and read Scripture and, and lay out a little bit of brief context for some of these passages. And then uh, as we're done reading, we're going to read those verses. And when we complete that, the, uh, we're going we're gonna to sing. And so uh, if you will, just um, really be intentional in entering into that with us as a form of worship. We're going to have the verses up on the screen. There'll be plenty of time uh, for you to be able to look those up for yourself uh, as we have the references up there. Uh, so uh, just, just be really intentional as we enter into each, each piece and part of what we're doing this morning as, as worshiping God through the reading of his word. Um, know that that, that that is worship. Worship isn't just the songs that we sing. It's the prayers that we pray. It's the word that we read. So um, just be really intentional as, as you enter into that together. Amen. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be reading uh, two passages of scripture this morning. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and uh, through 31. And then Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. But, but what I want to do really quickly, again, if I can, is lay out just a, a little bit of a, a brief explanation and context for this. In these two verses, these two passages of Scripture, uh, what you're going to see is that um, as human beings created by God, uh, we, we hold the belief that we are image bearers of God, right? It, it's Uh, pretty traditionally referred to as the Imago Dei. We are the image bearers of God. The image of God has been placed onto us. So we are created in his image, and we're created in his image for a purpose, and that purpose is to reflect his glory and to give him honor, the honor and glory that that he so uh, rightly deserves. And within that, that 
um, position that we have with God, being his image bearers, understand that we are to, we are to enter into that with the intent of, of knowing him and being known by him, right? We, are, we, we draw special emphasis to God's goodness and his glory and his might and just the, the, the beauty of, of his love and all that he is. And so this is really uh, the intent of, of, of our existence is to give him glory, to be image bearers of the Lord. But something happened along the way, which we'll see in, in the second passage, is that we know that sin entered into the world and, and it fractured that, right? It, it caused us as image bearers uh, to be tainted in a way with sin. And so while we are still image bearers of the Lord, we now have this fracture that exists between us and the Lord. And so uh, one had to come to, to reconcile and to heal and restore that fracture. And we believe, as you'll see in the scriptures, that that, that one is the Christ, Jesus. And so if you would, let's read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. And then Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And, on, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So understand something uh, quickly here, that this is um, the first announcement of the gospel in Scripture. As I said, sin entered into the world, and, and we broke that relationship with the Lord. And, I, and when I say we, understand that as human beings, we, we inherit that sin from our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? that we call that original sin. We, we all inherit that. And you know that to be true, right? Because we see that in our own lives. We see that in the lives of our children, the way that we don't have to be taught to sin. And that sin fractured. It broke that relationship between us and the Lord. And so one had to come who was pure and holy in order to, to restore and, and fix that fracture. So this is the first announcement of that gospel proclamation that one would come, the Son, the Son of God who lived pure and holy. So this morning, I, I want you to be intentional to reflect on that. 
to know that as this passage in Genesis chapter 3.15 says that one will come that will, he will eventually crush the head of the serpent. Right? That victory has already been declared as his, but to know that the outcome is sure, that, that Satan will be destroyed once and for all. And so reflect on those things as, as we sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel.
Father, how grateful we are to come before you today, to read the words that you've given us, to dwell on the promises that you've made to us, and look forward to the advent, to the coming, the coming of the one that would redeem. And so God, as we read these passages about the son that will come, about the redeemer who will come, God, I pray you draw all our hearts and our minds to you, that we might hear, that we might see, that we might remember this time of the year and why we gather today to worship you in these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you haven't yet, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 7. And as we come up here, just turn right to the scriptures as soon as you see them. That way we can walk through them together. The beautiful thing about scripture, if you haven't walked through these verses before, is that we see the promise that Brandon talked about of this son, as this one to come and restore us, to bring us back to our king, to our Lord. But it's amazing as you start walking through the scripture, it's not just saying that he'll come and we see the promise of a son that will bring blessing to all nations through Abraham and this son keeps bringing up again and again, but God's so faithful to us, it's not just the promise of a son, but he, he not only tells us what this son is gonna be like, who he's going to be, what, what his character is going to be, but even how he's going to come, literally showing us what it will look like when this promised son of Adam and Eve comes. Read with me in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this.
just like JT had talked about the covenant being given to David, um, we see that from David or from Abraham to Christ, there was 42 generations and from David to Christ, there's 28 generations and yet God is faithful. God is, is true to his word. And as we read in, in Psalms 89, two through four and Jeremiah 31, 31 through 35, we just see God in his word and how faithful and true he is to follow through and to show his character to us. So if you would just please read with me in, in Psalms 89, verses two through four. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one, and I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. Now in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 35, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the, on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and fix the order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that, the, so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Sing, O come, O key of David. O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to
reading is from Luke chapter 1 verses 67 through 79. This passage is sometimes called the Benedictus or Zechariah's song. Zechariah was a priest and his wife Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. They were getting old but they'd never had children. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple and told him that their prayers were going to be answered and that he and Elizabeth would have a son named John who would turn many hearts to God in preparation for the Messiah. Zechariah didn't believe the angel and even told him that that was impossible. Gabriel re rebuked Zechariah and made him mute. But Elizabeth did get pregnant just as the angel said. And when she was six months along, Mary, who was newly pregnant with the Messiah, came to visit her. 
since Gabriel had also appeared to her and told her that both she and Elizabeth were going to give birth. Elizabeth did give birth to a son, who we now call John the Baptist. And on the eighth day at the circumcision and naming ceremony, Zechariah's tongue was loosened and he could speak again these beautiful words about the works of God, his fulfillment of covenants, his faithfulness, and he clearly states here that John is the prophet and forerunner of the Lord Jesus, who will be God's way of bringing peace to God's people. So Luke 1, 67 through 79. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then Luke Chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.
Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly.
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew 4, 12 through 17. Now when he had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. There is freedom from the chains that bind us. Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the waters, who speaks Yeah. 
Jesus, the son of the living God, became a baby boy. Do you believe? Do you really believe? If you did and you fully lived in that belief, you would have no fear, no doubt, no hesitation to love unconditionally, serve relentlessly, and walk ever so humbly each and every day. And if you did that, what would this church look like? What would our mission in Tom Watkins' neighborhood look like? What would you look like? Listen to the prayer Jesus is praying for you in John 17, 19 through 23. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Will you please stand and let's sing together. Sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice.
after promise we know what Christmas is about 
But sometimes I don't think we stop to think that all the way back in Genesis 3, all the way through the prophets, through Abraham and the prophets, through David, all the way until now, they were waiting. Church, they were waiting for what we have. The New Testament says that even angels long to look, even angels long to know what we get to know. To experience, to, to know what it was, the Messiah that would come, that would redeem, and what would that look like. And church, that's the time that we get to live in. That's what Christmas is really about, holding on to the hope, holding on to a God who has promised for thousands of years that he would redeem, that he himself came for us, born in the weakness of man so that we might know that our God is with us. Not just in theory, but he came to be with us so we would know that he understands in every way. What an amazing truth. You know, just this week, Jack did a presentation on the Greek gods. And what a joke that was. The depravity, the disgustingness, the, the, the lack of holiness in so many other belief systems out there. But our God is holy. And he came to show us what holiness looks like. Church, it's an unbelievable truth. So Advent is really about the waiting the waiting for the sun to come. But church, we're still waiting, aren't we? This is what we're going to talk about next week. We're waiting for the day of full redemption. As I say all the time, it's the already not yet kingdom. Jesus has already brought the kingdom of God, but he's fully going to bring it someday. That's the hope that we hold on to. We trust the Lord of the Bible because he did all of this through his son. So we know he's true and he's right and he's promising so more to come. Church, hold on to that. Hold on to that hope. Hold on to that joy that we get to live in this age of blessing. And do not be afraid to open your mouth and to share with other people because they need this hope. They need this joy. There's so much to be depressed and lack of hope in our world right now. But church, as Christians, we have so much to hold on to. Merry Christmas. This is going to be a hard Christmas for a lot of people. It's going to be a different Christmas. But hold on to what Merry Christmas actually means. Don't let the Americanization of this holiday ruin for you what this really is. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the excess. It's about Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came, our Emmanuel. Church, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this day to be in your word, to soak in your truth, to look throughout all of the ages at your promises of who you said you would be, who you have been, and who you promised to be for us in the future. God, I pray that you would help us to hold on to this, that you came, the God of the universe, with all power, with everything, came to be with us. An unbelievable truth, God. As Tony said last week, an awesome truth. Help us to hold on to that. Help it to, help it to give us hope on hopeless days. Help it to give us joy on days of suffering and pain. And help us to declare your glory to the nations. For that's why you came to redeem your people and so that your glory might be known. Will God help us to make it known? So God, I pray that you would bless every single family at Freshwater over the next week or two. And every time we, get, we tend to get lost in the season, we get lost in the losses of family members from the past, when we get hung up in not having enough money or not having these things, that we would remember who we are in you and that you are enough that you did come and that you do promise to come again. Help that God to be enough for us. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being born in the weakness of men. And thank you for dying on that cross so that you might redeem us from our sin so that we might be saved and redeemed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.